Welcome back to the Textual Talk, the podcast where we talk about tech news, career advice, business advice, life advice, and much, much more. I'm your host, Unri, and today is episode 115, and it's all about GRC. Joining us is the super savvy Jordan, who's mastered the game of GRC, and she's here to spill all the tea. From her accidental dive into the world of PCI compliance right out of college, we're going deep into how our past gigs and college majors turned us out to be the GPSs for our careers. We'll be chatting about those light bulb moments that made us think differently about making bank and how we went from fresh-faced college kids to big kids playing in the tech sandbox. Jordan's going to drop some truth bumps about a job interview that was more like a bad quiz show and how certs alone aren't the golden ticket in our world. We're not going to just hang out on the surface. We're going to go deep into the serious biz like the importance of stepping up for yourself never hitting pause on learning, and why you got to work those soft skills like a boss. Plus, we've got the scoop on what's scary in data privacy, the rise of deep fakes, and how to armor up against the cyber baddies that keep changing their stripes. If you're curious about PCI compliance or climbing the GRC ladder, Jordan's lived the tell tale We're all about sharing that good karma, so we also have a link for a free 14-day trial with R to make sure your data is safe from privacy brokers. So come hang with us. It's going to be laid back chat with some solid gold info. Whether you're just breaking into tech or you're walking IT encyclopedia, time to get into GRC with the textual talk. And remember, we're all about keeping it real. Catch you in a sec. This video is being sponsored by Techpreneurs Club. If you're interested in getting to GRC, then watch this. Techpreneurs Club provides comprehensive training in governance, risk, and compliance, empowering individuals to play a pivotal role in fostering trust between organizations and their value vendors and clients. Here are some of the things that they offer in their program. Recorded video content, live sessions, advisor meetings, meetings with coaches, resume and account bidding, and job applications. In the last couple of years, one of the hardest things for people to do is take all the information they learned and put it together in order to stand out in the interview process. And that is what Techpreneurs shows people how to do going through their program. Here's some of where their alumni work and here are some of their success stories. So if you're interested in starting your career in GRC, then I suggest you check out Techpreneurs Club. The link will be in the description below. Welcome back to the Textual Talk Podcast. Well, I'm your host, HD. If you're watching us on YouTube or listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you know, do leave us a review, share out the podcast, really helps us out in the algorithm. And if you're still on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. Hit all the notification bells so you can be notified when I'm dropping a lot of new content. Uh, it's episode 115, and I ain't even titled it yet. <laughs> it's a Saturday. It's going to be a double-double for me. Y'all know what that means later after I uh, vlog. But we've got a, a great guest for you guys. I know you guys hear about uh, GRC all the time. I did a couple of episodes on it, but now I found like a real veteran in the game. And she's coming to tell us about GRC and why you should get into it. So let's welcome my guest, Jordan. Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm I'm getting ready to to go for a double double, and I think this is going to be an excellent episode. We started off pretty well. All right. So, can you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself? <sighs> that is a lovely question. We got a lot of time. <laughs> um, right. Um, so, as you said, a GRC veteran feel like a GRC goat. Um, I've been in GRC for like nine years. This year will make nine years, but I've been in IT for 11, 12 years. Um, I don't even know where to start, <laughs> but pretty much I got my start with GRC and PCI. I worked for an e-commerce company 
And that point I was doing tech support and that was my first job out of college. I sucked at tech support. I hated talking to the customers and like my people skills is just not customer sort. <laughs> so I wasn't doing good at the job. And they had a project, they had just developed software that needed to be PCI compliant. So um, I was just like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I'm trying to prove to them that, you know, I'm valuable to keep me at this job. Because at the time they had just got interns and the interns were doing the same thing that the tech support people were doing, but they got them cheaper. So I was like, do you really need me if you have these interns? So I pivoted to the project. So that project, um, I helped them with PCI, got them their first ever PCI level one certification. And it was up from there. I became their cybersecurity administrator. And that was really my first step into cybersecurity. That's cool. I, I feel like everybody around our age range kind of had to go through those similar paths. It's it's changed now. That's why I don't normally tell people, hey, you got to go do tech support and all those stuff. I was like, because it's a little bit different. I'll say easier is a relative word to use, but it is it's different now. I feel like easier. Like you said, like when you had a department that you can pivot from, it's easier versus now trying to get your footing in. You're just coming in like straight into the company versus like you worked at some other like sales or something else. Yeah. Well, I just say like now, like, like you say, you can just come straight in and, and possibly do something else, but you got to network and everything else. But back then it wasn't a lot of people talking about cybersecurity and you wasn't about the most of the time leave school and get a cybersecurity job. You were going to be doing what you was doing or what I was doing in 2014. But you said something Interesting, but before I get to that question about the uh, PC PCI level one, I wanted to ask you briefly before we get into like professional stuff. I see that you went to uh, USF. Is that I'm saying it right? Right? Yeah, you okay. said. I it think right. my last guest went to USF too. She's uh she's younger than us. Her name is Makaya, but uh, I believe she went there as well. Okay, and then I think my friend Patricia went there as well. I was like, look at all these uh, Florida people. I'm coming on <laughs> in contact with. I, but I want to ask you briefly, like, what did you, what did you major in in college, and and how did college prepare you to go into the career field that you're in now? Oh, um, my degree is in information studies, I believe, information studies. But pretty much when I started school, um, I chose a major computer science. So I was a computer science major after I pivoted from business. When I got to college, I really wanted to be a music producer. But being Jamaican, that would be um, frowned upon in our, in our community. So I was just like, I'm going to just go be a business major, get my business degree and do that. But I failed. I don't remember what the class was, whether it was like macroeconomics or something. And I failed that class like three times. And I was like, this is not for me. In high school, I was in an IT academy. So I graduated with like um, like IT honors and things like that. So I just went to computer science because it was easier. And um, 
during the time I was looking for an intern my junior year. And when I'm looking for internships, all the internships said pretty much IT or computer science or computer science and IT related degrees. So I'm like thinking like, why am I busting my butt in engineering calc when I could just get an IT degree? (laughs) And I switched my major to IT. (laughs) So with being at USF, they took away the IT major from their main campus and I ended up in their one of their other branches and they changed the majors to like information studies. So, but it's a IT degree. Um, cybersecurity was not an option at that time, but I have the most basic IT degree. I think most of us do. Um, I started off in pre-architecture and said, hey, I like computers, so I'm going to do CIS. And, and that happened. I think I made that change quick. It was one quarter. One quarter is all it took for me to realize I didn't want to be an architect. The commitment, like the 10 year Commitment. They would live into, so the, the architecture building was called Hale Hall. So those, they would be in there working on projects, going to sleep. And I looked at for all the work they was doing and what they would start off making. I was like, nah, this ain't, this ain't it. Let me go try to enjoy college <laughs> and choose a much easier major. And so that's what I did. I picked something that I knew I'd be good at anyways. And that I knew 10 years ago to where we are now would still be in demand. What is CISS? Um, computer information systems. Oh, yeah. okay. so it's really all the same thing with IT, whatever management information, all of them really the same. Everything. That's when I, when I seen IT, I said, yeah, we switched yeah, to IT. I, I found a, I, well, I had this video on my channel from four years ago, but, it's a little chart I found that they had the College of Business and they said, oh, these people make this. I was like, oh, okay. You ain't got to tell me twice. For real. I mean, coming from my background, people wasn't making any money. So like, it's crazy too back then of how small my mindset was. I was like, I just want to make, I think well, that's, I think I want to make like $60,000, $80,000. You know, at least you know what kind of money you wanted to make. I never have money or new money was an option until like I got into my career, but I was doing what came easy to me. I always did IT. So I was either going to be a music producer, videographer, like anything with IT. (laughs) Yeah. It was just easy. And I was going to. Yeah. No, I feel you on that one. Cause I was like, had it, have I had it my way. I've been one of two things, a wrestler, or I would have (laughs) been like a professional drummer. Uh, I mean, I played at church, but like my cousins, remember, they're like still in the hometown. So they're actually still a part of another band where they like a cover band and they go play places and stuff like that, which is, he probably forgets that I mentioned this years ago, almost 10 years ago. Like, yo, hey, we should go play at weddings and stuff. I know for a fact that I said that because I wanted to do that. But being a musician is not as stable and you got to make a lot of sacrifices until you kind of like hit it off. And it's kind of, in this economy, that's kind of tough to do. Well, they got TikTok. Once you get famous on TikTok, once that little snip. Well, you got to think about it. I'm prefacing everything back in 2012, 2013, 2014. So I'm thinking back then, like now, if you got any type of professional trade or something like that, a person like me likes watching it. Like I like watching people paint, cut grass, uh, build (laughs) stuff in the bathroom. These people get paid on TikTok just for doing that. So hey, put the content out. Like my dad knows how to finish concrete. I mean, I'm not there with him, but if my brother start going with him and they start recording it, I was like, hey, shoot, Pops can, can blow up on TikTok just from showing people Make stuff. 
And um, I want to go back to the, the money question very quickly because I think that a lot of us from our community don't know about that when it comes about the money or, or what even to think about. And the reason why I say that is as I got older, I realized, hey, the type of money that I want, if I think about it and manifest it, eventually it comes to me in some sort of way. And you kind of, sometimes you can get that earlier if you're taught it, but then if you learn it, then it's like, okay, cool. And that's happened with everything like women, cars, um, careers, opportunities, anything I've thought about. I just really put it in the work and then thought about, okay, I want to do this. It eventually happens. It's maybe not always on my time, but it happens. And um, I had a mentor at the time that really put things in perspective for me when he was like, yo, so how much money you want to make? And once I started being specific about what I wanted, that's when things started happening. That's good. I had a mentor. I wish you would. My mentor did give me good, some good advice. But before I go to that advice, when it came to the money thing, when I was tech support and then they finally promoted me to the information security administrator, that promotion was about a good like 30K, right? So now I'm making close to 60K in this job. And that was a lot of money to me at the time because I was really young. By that time, I'm like 24, making 60K. And that was a big deal. So I'm thinking I'm making money. <laughs> I went to DEF CON for the first time. And I think there was a Blacks and Cyber like meetup. There was just a large group of Black people. And we were like having drinks, eating. And people started talking about how much they were making. And someone said, I think someone says they made like 190. And people are just like spitting out other six figures. And I'm looking and I'm calculating and I'm like, hey, you can make that much money mm -hmm. in the field. So after I left Econ, I wanted to find a new job. And I had told my mentor and I was getting like interviews, but they wanted to pay me like 68, like stuff like that. It wasn't enough for me to like leave the company I was at. But my mentor was just like, scare money, don't make any money. And once he said that, I was just like, I'm shooting for the stars. And I definitely doubled my income the next role that I took on as a contractor. Nice. I'm glad you said that, though. It's, it's, it's a reoccurring thing. That I bring in a lot of my episodes is when I talk about networking people you will know. Most of the time, if you're a loner and don't know people in the same industry, you probably will be remain underpaid because you don't know. Mm -hmm. Think about it, you said 60. I knew this is how I knew when I was getting underpaid even back then. I was getting like 17 an hour when I was doing the help desk stuff. Everybody was contractors at the time. Another guy on our contract, he was at a different contract. He was already at that role getting like 35 an hour just to do that. And he got out of that role and went to another role like across the hall that was paying like 45 an hour to do really less work, but get paid more. So then it's when I started realizing I ain't really getting paid what I need to get paid because I started realizing at help desk, I was doing more work than everybody else, but we get paid the less. And honestly, I think all oh, help desk should just go on like hard help desk, not the help desk you can just plug anybody in, but the ones you need skills for, go on strike, get your money. So they realize that they need you because. They get over a lot just because the that, and that's the reason I tell when I do my consultations and the listeners and viewers hope you're watching. A lot of times when I say, hey, I look at your roles and what you're doing. And I if I do your resume, I change from help desk. I was like, they put help desk and stuff on here so they can 
justify paying you a low wage. And if you were system admin or system engineer or whatever other title, they would have to pay you more because we have engineering. And I was like, they don't, they know you don't know that. They know that most of the people that they surround you with on that help desk getting paid relatively around the same. So they are good. It's not until you bump into somebody who is a cloud engineer and they say, oh, yeah, I'm making 150. And they tell you what their day day is. And you say, like, I kind of do a lot of this stuff that they're doing, but I'm getting 50,000. That's when they should be scared. That's that's definitely a good a story. I'm glad that you were able to bring that up. Now, what did you so? I know you said you helped them with the the PCI level one. That's what it's called, right? PCI level one. Okay. Yeah. Can you talk about what, like, first of all, we probably gave these people the acronyms and maybe we got some first time listeners or some novices in tech. Yeah. Can you actually even explain to them what PCI is? Yep. So PCI is, it stands for Payment Card Industry Data Security Standard. Um, this is brought by the different merchant groups. So that's going to be Visa, MasterCard, they have a set of security regulations for any organization that takes credit card information. So if they're taking credit card information, they have to go through a set of requirements, which is 12 requirements from PCI. And those 12 requirements have sub-requirements. It ranges from network segmentation, making sure you have an information security policy, that you're doing security awareness training, encryption, things like that. Um, so there's different levels. So level one um, is really kind of like their, I want to call it their basic one, but more geared toward like if you're doing like online stores and things like that. So there's um, different levels, but a very rigorous, painful um, audit. So if anybody has gone through PCI, they have to abide by PCI. It's kind of a really good footing for framework. Um, for GRC, because you really get to learn the um, the details around security. Because once you really comply with PCI, you kind of can fit into anything, any other framework. So NIST, um, ISO, things like that. Um, but pretty much it's to make sure that you can take credit card information safely and that you're protecting customers' data. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate you for that, that, um, that definition. I just remember like my first role in Dallas was actually at a company. Well, they, they were absorbed by income. If people are familiar with income, they do uh, payment card stuff as well. And the specific company that I worked for was uh, online strategies and they had developed some type of software that all the companies wanted for like gift cards and everything else. And I didn't know at the time what industry I was actually in. I knew what we were doing, but I didn't have a mentor then to say, Hey, you could, even though I was working at Knock, I technically could have started pivoting more into PCI stuff just because of all I did in the Knock, we monitor transaction, transactions for our different companies, make sure they weren't down. There are a couple of times where that incident's happening where you can listen on the call, kind of figure out what's going on. If you know, take that stuff the right way, I mean, say, hmm, I can learn this stuff. You could go down your price doing PCI DSS. But they, I do know for a fact, like all those companies, they do pay well when it comes to the higher up roles because it's critical. Dealing with money, dealing with uh, important information. And that's the whole reason why even when you start, I mean, if you go overarching when it comes to cybersecurity, why the salaries are, are higher just because you're paying for protection. So after you help them get level one certified, 
in that first cybersecurity role there, what did that consist of? Because I saw the role when I was looking through like your LinkedIn, and I don't know if you could kind of remember <laughs> that far back, kind of like, you know, the gist of your role, but if you could, could you talk about it? Oh, yeah. So in that role, with helping them become PCI compliant, they didn't have security in the organization. So I had to help build that from like the ground up. I had to help. I had to figure out how to write a policy, how to write a procedure, a standard. I worked for the CIO at the time. So I leaned on him heavily to get buy-in, to get the engineers, the sysadmins, IT to kind of pivot and shift to, you know, embrace security so we can meet this compliance. Um, But I did the overall I was responsible for the overall compliance for the organization, making sure I scheduled the pen tests, making sure that the vulnerability scans are done quarterly. Everything that PCI is asking us to do was what I was responsible for. Um, and also at the time, the company I worked for was based out of um, California. So CCPA and GDPR was starting to become a thing. So I had started doing like privacy stuff for the organization. But um Everything GRC really is really who I was um, responsible for. So governing, making sure that we're keeping up with our quarterly and periodic reviews that we need to do. Um, when auditors come, I'm the one that they speak to, making sure security awareness training gets out. And I had to figure that all out within the nine months that it took us to get that certification. So it was really like a fire hose effect. Um I'm grateful for the experience now, but but it was tough at the time. Yeah, because you listing all the stuff you doing. I'm like, and they first of all, they was based out of California, but they thought it was okay to pay you sixty k. They knew they was. Well, I live in Florida. And I don't care where you so. live. They knew for a fact <laughs> they was getting over. That's the role you was essentially doing a director role, and a manager role, and whatever analyst role under that. I was so young. I wanted to like. Get out of help yeah. desk. So I mean, bad. but you, you did that to your saying. You got so much. You can still, you can still go in interviews and talk about that right now and get a job just because of how extensive that is. But they knew for a fact they was getting over. I bet that CIO wasn't getting paid sixty k. <laughs> he wasn't. He exactly. wasn't. And, and, and they learned a valuable lesson. They they lost you because they underpaid you. I don't know. I was like, at the end of the day, you're a number two. Oh yeah, that's that's so. all I've been talking about, and I. I say it all the time, even when the feds be watching, that's cold for uh, other stuff. <laughs> I can tell you offline about the feds be watching my page. That's cool. So you said the next contractor role, what what title was that role? I mean, I know we think about security, but you can give me just like a, a title or whatever you have to say to the company. Or... No, after I left that organization, I ended up getting a opportunity for a contract um, role. And um, my title said risk analyst, but when I got into the role, I was really internal audit for the technology risk group. It was for a financial organization. So I was really internal audit before internal audit comes in to make sure that the technology groups could pass their internal audit. So any previous findings they had, any risk, any gaps, we tested them, we gathered the evidence, and we helped them close out and mitigate their risks. Check you out. No wonder you got that bag. You went to the finance sector. I do tell people that, though. Like The pro is like you can get paid a lot. The con is sometimes finance operates just like the government does in the sense of like that technology and late to adapt, and there's just so much red tape. 
And now I got to touch on something that you said earlier and I forgot about it, but you said something that was huge of why either people stay at a company or leave when they want to make change in cybersecurity. And you said you worked with the CIO to get buy-in from all the other departments. And a lot of people understand how hard that is to do, because if they get it from them, then they had no choice but to conform or they out. That's a reason why like a lot of holdup happens is like, Everybody want to do something their own way until somebody coming out with the hammer say, dog, we got to do this. Pretty much. Um, and the issue is really like you've already had this culture, right? I was their first security person. This is the first time they've had to adhere to like a security framework. So they don't want to do these changes. They don't get the purpose of implementing these rules or different things. Mind you. It's just checking a box, <laughs> maybe or, you know, running a little script or something like that. But they were not open to change. Yeah, that's that sucks. Um, Now, I want to these are some of the we'll, get, we'll do this right here in the middle real quick. Some of the questions that we typically see on the Twitter or the, or the LinkedIn. So what what part of GRC do you currently work in? I feel like that's a hard question for me to answer because now I'm still, my title is literally cybersecurity GRC manager. I'm responsible for the overall compliance for GRC in the organization. That means our risks that we have. I do the risk assessment. I make sure that we mitigate those risks. Compliance, the organization I work for now also does PCI. I just finished their PCI audit last year in December. Um, so I work in okay. all facets. Cool. So like when I was a risk analyst, that was the risk portion, right? Um, but I work in governance, risk, and compliance in this role. So with that being said, then how would you advise, like if we got a new person, we'll, we'll do a scenario that they have worked because I've worked with people that did like all type of stuff from retail, baristas, you name it. We're going to say this person, let's say this person, they've been a teacher. So let's say a person wants to come from like education and then now they want to get into governance, risk and compliance. What would be some of the things that you would tell them to look into to kind of build their foundation to get ready to embark on this career path? That's tough. I try to get people to like leverage the skills that they already have. So if you're a teacher, you already know how to keep on top of schedules. Um, you know, they're developing coursework all mm -hmm. the time. Um, but really just getting the basic knowledge. So Security Plus is what I will always say. And out of everything, utilize free resources. YouTube is free. Okay. Um, and your network, try to meet other people, go to conferences. I went to um, a security summit because I got a free ticket. Um, you never know what's out there. But I always try to tell them, start with the Security Plus and leverage the skills that you have. Um, I feel like it's harder to say, see if you can switch departments, especially if you're a teacher, right? You're not going to go into the IT department. Mm -hmm. um, I really did not work. Yeah. And actually, why not teach cybersecurity? Once you learn it yourself, you're already a teacher. 
And you know what's funny? That's a uh, and I did one of my first episodes. I did with uh, what's her name? Something um, IT training. I cannot think of her real name. We we follow each other on LinkedIn. I haven't talked to her in a minute, but I need to get her back on for an episode because that's what she would do. She used to go to those different companies and teach people like the skills they needed or train them for certifications. And it's a matter of fact, it's a it's a um, it's a, a woman on my TikTok. I think she's a teacher. And she got sick plus and she made these flashcards and she got this stuff to help people get it. And um, initially I actually reached out to her because it wasn't to try to bash her. But because I've been in this space, I've seen so much Fugazi stuff. I just wanted to talk to her behind the scenes like, yo, like, you know, um, why should I think I said, what do people get with like getting this or your qualifications or something? And then, and like I said, it wasn't like we still fight each other. So it wasn't like no ill will. I think she saw that I probably was coming from like a good place because like. I deal with people come to me and they've gotten like the worst advice ever. Like it's a guy out here with a uh his is a boot camp, it's not a program. Our program actually is showing you skills that it may not just pay off when you finish, but eventually it'll pay off. He is a boot camp where I know for a fact all they're doing is getting uh security plus net plus AZ nine hundred, some spunk stuff, and applying to like thousand resumes. It's like eight thousand bucks. I got the screenshot. I can send it to you. And I've, I've talked about this person before on the pod, but I was just like, that type of stuff right there is just, you could spend way less than that and go take a little search on your own by yourself. And that's why I tried to tell people, like, please be resourceful. I don't know what happened in the last couple of years, maybe because we all been at home and we burned out, but people are not resourceful. They not. They won't. They won't Google. Sometimes they have consoles with me. They ain't had no, they ain't write no questions. So it's like, Okay, I know how to do this because I've been doing it so long. But if you want to have your best consult with me, please write down your question. Because you, at the end of the day, you paid me to talk to me. So just like when I'm getting ready to interview for a role, this old handy dandy book got questions in it. <laughs> like, ask your questions. But I'm sure when they're coming to you, like they want you to just give them the answers. They think like once I talk to HD. He's just going to give me all the tools and I'm going to Well, you know what? I have a it. unique set of followers and people that rock with me. They are, a lot of them are familiar with my content. So they know I'm like, no nonsense. I'm straight to the point. I straight, okay. no chaser. So they don't come to me with those expectations. They just want the one-on-one time to get their certain needs addressed. And I like that. And that I, over the, these four years, I've kind of built that out. I've always told people, hey, I'd rather have a thousand silent people rock with me over having 200,000 subs to only 300 people rock. I told, I've said for the longest, I want what I say from this mouth to be highlighted more than anything I ever show you. Like far as, oh, you can be in cyber and do this and that, which you can, but I, like you said, you decade in, I'm a decade in now. It, it take a, it take a lot of time to just stay in and maintain and, and keep on getting better. And that's what like a lot of people I bring on when we're like experienced professionals. We tell people a lot about our time. But on, of course, you see, you know, Twitter, anytime us with that's been in the game and try to just tell people, hey, relax and put in the work, we gatekeepers. But some of these people then got laid off in these last couple of years and they realized that, hey, they were telling us the truth. Or some people who needed some help who didn't want to invest in, in the help still in the same place they was four years ago. It's like a, it's a lot of different things. And. Last night, I actually made a tweet and I told people, I was like, 
do y'all know how rich I'd be if I told y'all, hey, come book with me and be in, get in cybersecurity in two weeks just because I had one person to do that? I was like, would I be lying if I said that? No. However, I will be setting a lot of false expectations for people who want to do service with me. And I, I couldn't like consciously do that. That's only happened to one person. And that's just the luck of the draw. That same one person was able to double his salary in less than a week. And then a year and some change later, I helped them double his salary again. But that's not the norm for all of my clients. So I never tell somebody, hey, come with me and I'm going to help you double your salary. It just really depends on the luck of the draw, how the company likes you, how you sell yourself. All the things that are really based on you and not necessarily me is what also goes into you getting that salary you want and everything else. That's the, the other stuff that clients don't understand. It's a lot of crap that comes with it. But sorry to go off on that tirade. <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you about this. So we talked about it earlier. And I think that people find this part interesting. So, guys, I was on Jordan's LinkedIn and I saw that she had an article she wrote. And it was titled, well, I'm not going to butcher the title. The gist of it was she was talking about how, I don't even know the dude's name, but it was it had to do with encryption and watching the show The Wire. How The Wire taught There we go. Encryption. There we go. Literally the box title. Thank you. Thank you. I did not want to mess it up. I could not think of it. But I just thought that was interesting because we're going to talk about why you said that and you can probably explain the article. But I thought that was so interesting because I think that's eye-catching. How many, I want to ask you real quick, like over the years or how many interviews you ever did, how many people have actually asked you about this in interviews that they looked at your page about that article? Have you been asked about it? Yes. I literally, I want to say at least three interviews based off of that Wire article. Like I never forgot I had an interview and the guy was like, oh, I read your blog. I was excited to talk to you. And I was like, wow. Wow, like people are actually reading this. Yeah, I say that because I've told them, I'm telling you, hiring managers, people I've been interviewing with, they'll go through and watch my content. So I had an interview open one time <laughs> and she started it off with like the iceberg I asked in like the previous episode. And <laughs> yeah, so I always tell people like, don't get me wrong, guys, like Jordan in, in no type of way is an actual like influencer. But when I'm telling you to make your blogs or post your work, or as Dr. Umar recently said, cite your source. If I'm telling you to do all that, cite your source, you never know who's going to see it. Like if I wanted her for a role, I might hire her just off the strength that she made an article about the wire teaching her about encryption. Because I don't think any other applicant I have is going to have that. That is like, if nobody gets anything out of this conversation, be an advocate for yourself. I did those blogs when I was just starting out in security because um, I wanted to show that I had the knowledge. And I was thinking of like creative ways to do that. I love hip hop. I love The Wire. I'm always into like the old school black movies. So um, I think at the time I was obsessed with The <laughs> Wire and I was able to like put those things to get together. And those articles are, you know, for us, by us articles. So if you're looking to learn security, I'd hope you'd bump into my article and it will help you understand. But be an advocate for yourself, right? I did those blog posts, people, I've gotten interviews for that. I've gotten like um, 
request to speak at conferences just off of like, if I was a guest person, people have done articles about me and my experience. So please put yourself out there. I stopped doing it as much because kind of like that whole tech influencer thing. I feel like I started advancing more in my career. And the more I tweeted about GRC and security stuff, people felt like you owed them responding to them about how to get in tech, how to do what you do. You come into my DMs, you didn't even say hi. So <laughs> you didn't say hi and you didn't come with your own research. So it's the lack of resourcefulness too. You just think I got the answers. And now I don't even respond to my DMs anymore, unfortunately. And I have no get into cyber scheme for <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> like, I just, I feel like I talk less about security now. I even had a podcast at one point to demonstrate my knowledge. They saw the podcast. Like, anything I did to put myself out there always had um, good traction and led to um, opportunities. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. And, and that's why I moved the way that I do now, even with me being very visible. <laughs> Unless you know me personally, you don't know where I work. I don't mention their name because of other things, because, hey, you say where you work name and they don't like the episode. Hey, we got to take it down. You represent us. So it, it's all that stuff. And, and you're right. I've given out people so much free game over four years that, that sometimes people still feel entitled. I'm just like, did you click the link in my bio? Like, so even the thing I was talking about just now about what I, that thread I made, the guy was like, oh, you could offer consoles or something like that. And I was like, I already do. <laughs> like, nobody ever just clicks the link in the bio for that even comment to me. I promise you, I probably answered every question you have. You just go do your research through my my topics and everything else. And I'm just like, because it it does get, and that's the reason why, well, what was it, two or three years ago? Whatever it was, I re- either did my ebook late 2021 or early 2022. I can't remember. But that's why I put the ebook out. I had got tired of having consults and just talking about the same thing every time I was like, here, get it. Now I'm doing like some group coaching to where I could just handle people in a group with that aspect. But it, it does get, it gets tiring because it's like, okay, at, at, at some point, at the oddest free information you got, you got to be the person to do something with it. Not me. Or no man's like, you not going to do it. I'm just talking. You're just wasting money with me. Like, you got to put in your own work. I can't do it for you. Like, if you're looking around at what everybody do, like, I, I got people that'll be clients and they'd be upset. And like, but I'm like, I know you're not doing what you want to do. And then <laughs> I was talking about, uh, I did an IG live with my friend uh, Miranda. What was that? Wednesday, I believe. We were talking about incident response. We were talking about just different things. And I was talking about how one of my clients, well, I was telling them about how there's a misconception about, oh, I'm going to do an entry-level SOC analyst role. And, I'm try- and I tell a lot of people, I said, most people who say that have never worked in a SOC, so they think it's entry-level. And I said, I'm here to tell you now in 2024 that it's not so entry-level anymore because we have automation, AI, machine learning. It's automating a lot of those level one tasks that you would typically do five six, seven years ago. So you got to know more. And I had brought that up with how I had just listened to my client's interview that he got asked for at this company. I said, there ain't no level one interview, even though he sold it, oversold itself on his resume, which I had no idea about. And I told him about that. I was like, yo, why'd you put this on there if you can talk? 
I was like, that's why they started asking all those questions. I was like, you black. I said, we black. We not having no easy interviews, bro. We not. You're going to have to know everything you need to know on there. And by the skin of your teeth, hopefully you got some uh, some diverse people on the interview panel that's going to say, no, we like him because it's tough. That's one of the other things we all talk about. But um, had that. And then after that, I was telling me, yo, you need to go get this certain certification because it's a practical certification and this is going to fill those knowledge gaps that you have. He was like, yeah, I'm starting on the February. And I was like, bro, start on it tonight. <laughs> you ain't got no kids. You ain't got nothing. Like, you mean, if you don't have no kids or anything, I don't want to hear no type of excuse from you. You got all the time in the world. I got kids. Mm-hmm. I, I work. I put out this content. I do console. I do this and do that. And I get it done. I don't want to hear nothing when the client come to me and say something like that. I'm like, figure it out. Figure it out. But you feel like, I, I feel like you want to say something. <laughs> um, the overselling yourself. I feel like now that I'm a hiring, a hiring manager, you've used ChatGPT or someone's done your resume. Boy, when I tell you that's hurting the industry right now, mm-hmm. you think you have a good candidate, they can't speak to anything in their resume or they've gotten the job. They can't do anything they said they would do. So I feel like we're losing the integrity yes. because of the drive just to want to make the money. Yes. Yes. I remember years ago I talked about it, but I had a, a chick. She did some class or something like that. And they had embellished a lot on a resume. It's not even embellished. They flat out lot. She had on some SIM technology and everything else on there. And I was like, oh, well, do you know what this does? No. I was like, well, why you got it on here? <laughs> Like that, and that's what separates me from other resume writers. I actually reacted to some content on TikTok about that. That's on my TikTok and on one of my past podcasts. She was talking about how she don't like resume writers because the resume writer most of the time is just going to write your resume to fit the role, but in the end, it don't really help you if you don't really have them skills to do the role. And that's where I come come in and I'll tell people right now, hey, you applying to stuff that don't fit your skill set. I'm only going to write what you give me. I'm not going to just make you look good just for the sake to make you look good to get interviews. Cause like if my end goal is to get you to a job, I want you to learn the skills. I'll help you add them back or a project, but I'm not just adding stuff just to add it. Cause it's not going to help you. I was like, all this fina- uh, finessing people did in 20, 2021, 2022, that's dead. Companies then got back hard on interviews. They make you be on camera. Cause you used to have people interviewing for other people. And then somebody else would start the job and they didn't know how to do the job. And people was getting burned like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. Like people that's taking shortcuts that actually made it hard on y'all that actually want to learn that's been putting in the work. Like They have made it so hard for them to try to give people with no experience a chance. It really sucks, to be honest. But when you have people like you talking about just coming in and they're just trying to finesse their way into everything and don't know anything, don't have the integrity to say, man, look. Like, had the integrity in an interview to just say, I don't know that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I could figure it out if I, if I was given a chance to, if I just Googled it or took some notes. Like, everybody Googles at work. Like, you're not, I'm not going to say, I didn't, let me X on them. I'm actually looking for you to say that instead of just trying to waste my time on the answer. Correct. Like, please don't ever be afraid to say, I don't know that right now, but I'm open to learning. I'm a, a quick learner, things like that. People just lie. These they do. They do. This is a question that I also want to ask you, too. I know we have like all the different TikTok stuff for like salary transparency streets and stuff like that. And it's not for your salary, right? Since now you're like you're more of a, a hiring capacity. But what's like. So you said your first role 
So we can say you made about one twenty, one thirty when that you double for that contractor role. Yeah, I was at um I wasn't at a hundred K yet, but I was close okay. to it by the time I got my second okay, role. Cool. Well, so in the in the industry now, what have you been seeing from uh governor's risk and compliance like salaries? Like, I guess we can go from like entry, mid to senior, principal, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. That's a tough question. So I guess it depends on industry too. I feel like sorry, my freaking it does depend on the industry. And I feel like a lot are trying to the high mark they're trying to keep you at is one thirty. I literally I think I posted this a few months ago, a job at Saks, senior GRC analyst or something. Either way, they list my manager's job. <laughs> okay. And the salary is like 130 in New York. That's underpaying yes. that person. That's ridiculous. Um, but it really all depends on the industry. Honestly, I just seen the VP job where the max is like 190. So it all depends. Yeah, that's all I go to. I tell people the same thing too, because most people, when they talk about cybersecurity, they're drawing the red team. I was like, well, blue team get paid too. And like you said, industry. So I've been in finance the last, what, three, four years now, and I've seen all type of different ranges. Uh, you've seen seen the 190s, I've seen the twos, I've seen the threes. It, it just depends if the company's, I've seen what it's like, if the company's public or not, how big the infrastructure is, do they want to compete, mm-hmm. all those uh, different things that come into play. Yeah, and then don't let you work for um, a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, once you get them stocks, RSUs, you making over two hundred k. You can make some good yeah, money. Most people, if you can get into that, yeah, most people stay about two years or three years and, and dip sometime. Just because, what well, depends. I got people. You just need it on your resume. Yeah, I got people that that's been there or worked there at one point in time, and you know it was cool being there. But then once they start like trying to make the teams leaner, but make them do the same type of work, they was like, I'm out. So that's that's another whole <laughs> conversation in itself that that that, that happens. So your current title is. I believe you said cybersecurity GRC is your seat manager, manager, right? So yeah. at a high level, I'll ask you two things. Is this a, a manager of people or is this actually a manager of like a GRC, like GRC processes and procedures? Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to ask that because sometimes on my resume, like I, my title was incident manager when I was working at Goldman Sachs, but it really was just a manager of incidents and not a manager of people. And so I always like have to distinguish that on interviews like no i did incident management so i managed incidents from beginning to end i didn't manage people so that's the reason why i want to ask you that but okay let's talk about some of the things i guess that like you said you're talking about you've been interviewing people that you've been seeing that they don't know how to do the job what type of if we already gave advice about i guess for people that want to get in but let's talk about I don't think I do enough talking about people who are maybe past entry level or they're mid and trying to go to senior. What type of advice would you give them to navigate their career in GRC? Um, Apply for those stretch roles. Apply for the roles that you don't have the experience in when it comes to GRC. Um, Never stop learning. That's the only other advice that I can honestly say. Um, I've slacked on that in the last couple of years, but I have a whole bunch of certifications, but never stop learning. Always stay ready for your next position, but always go for the, um, that stretch role. Okay. Now, since you brought up certifications, cause I want to actually bring that up. 
let's let's go with because we're talking about career pivoters, right? And I've seen like a couple of certifications that are like a lot of GRC roles when I'm doing these consultations with potential clients. What outside of Security Plus, what baseline minimum certifications would you advise somebody to get just to and not like because I think sometimes certs do get a bad rap because a lot of them is just memorization. But like what are what are some certifications in that realm that would help somebody like show that they have some type of foundation and at least understanding, maybe not doing the work, but just understanding what it takes mm-hmm. to be in a GRC? Um, that's a good question. Because Security Plus, if you can pass a Security Plus, <laughs> you are golden to me. You think that so? A tough exam. That is a tough exam. I failed the first time I took it. So, but I see, um, I passed it yes. the first time I ever took it. But I still felt like I didn't know anything. I knew some terms, but in terms of making what I learned practical, I didn't know much. And that's a hard part. And that's why I'm saying, if you have the Security Plus, at least I know you know enough. <laughs> to be dangerous. <laughs> you know enough to be dangerous versus knowing nothing at all, honestly, truly. Um, I don't feel like Security Plus is really an entry-level exam anymore. When I was an instructor for it, even the new exam now, I'd be confused myself. Okay. <laughs> you think so? I haven't I ain't gonna lie, um, I haven't like I tell people all the time, like my all my, my a lot of my searching laps, I'm like, unless they just want me to get it. Like, I'm not like I need to put in the time to just study for uh, either CISM or CISSP. But outside of anything else, I'm not I'm not getting a a new one. (laughs) Honestly, I have no interest in getting a new one. So I have my security plus that lapse and the security plus now seems hard as heck. When I tell you I'm not sitting for it, so I'm just going to go ahead and get my SISM or my CISSP because that exam at this point is not entry level. Um, I also had my SSCP, Mm -hmm. so I still have that one. And I feel like that one is a really good, if you want to take the CISSP, you don't have the, um, you don't have the years of experience. The SSCP from um, IC Squared is a really good one because it's honestly just a baby. And what does that stand C-I-S-S-P. for? Um, I think it's System Security Certified okay. Professional. And that one's by IC Squared. Don't they have a cloud but one too? They have a cloud plus now. They have the CYSA. Yeah, I got the CYSA uh, in like 2019. Those. Now, I'll tell you. Now, you talking about Security Plus? CYSA Plus? That joint was hard. hard. I was in there sweating. <laughs> and I knew it was hard because uh, at the time, Tavion and I were working together. And he had just recently passed it. And uh, I had went and took it. I was like, bro, I started sweating by like <laughs> answer 10. Because now, now, although that's still not a practical certification either, it was directly geared to people on the blue team. And I don't advocate people to take that test without experience because it really is hard. And I feel like if you don't have experience, it's kind of like you just took it for nothing. I mostly advocate for people to do security blue team, which is a blue team level one certification, which teach you like what six domains. I forgot how many domains they cover. However, it's also a practical test. So if you do everything, you got like 24 hours to do this practical uh, exam. So okay. that's why I like it because then you could tell a higher manager was like, I don't have necessary experience, but I passed. Uh, blue team level one and this one is, and what's called that and I would be interested in that versus 
a lot of times because now people go get a test bank. You just, hey, just keep on taking all the, the tests that you memorize it and then they go take it. That's what people are pushing people to do. I don't feel like it's that with a test bank. And now that you brought up um, it's hard to pass without the experience, I will say I passed my security post when I was in that security administrator job because mm-hmm. I they told me I had to get a certification. So um, if I wasn't doing that job already, I don't think I would have been able to pass a security plus. So you are definitely right. Yeah, because I, I mean, now I, that's what, and that's the reason why I, I get people out of just the cert mindset. It's good, but I want you to be able to explain concepts to me if I ask you a simple question. Like if my client got asked something simple about fishing, and he couldn't really answer the concept right one because he was just so focused on this course he had just did, and he just he just fumbled that all the way because I taught him how to answer fishing questions in the past. But that's the thing is like, hey, we just want simple like answers. Like, hey, what would you do? Like, even if you're, I'm gonna do a video on this soon. But even on your home, yeah, you get these junk emails. Like, if you want to investigate it, what are you gonna do? That that's like it's simple stuff. So, yeah, I just feel like the cert talk is hard. Because I've been in interviews, I had the experiences when I'm like mid level, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, "Oh, if you had the SISM, if you had the CISSP, you'd be the perfect candidate for the job." And let's be honest, as someone that's a black person, because person of color is not universal yeah. anymore, um, they want you to have some sort of certification before they even try to see can you apply this or do you know the information. So unfortunately. You're going to have to get that cert. Unless you know somebody mm-hmm. that's going to help you land that job without that certification. Yeah, we I we talk like about that all the time, like the network part of everything. And also, and that's where like the conundrum comes on. That's why I tell people, if you can find a, a cheap way to, to go to school, like my, my route right now for some people, and it's all depending on their aptitude, but if you don't really have any skills, hey, I have an IT course. Not my oxy course, but one that I'm uh, affiliate for for course careers. I took, hey, get this, put it in the work, and get your feeder role. And then while you're at that feeder role, go back to school, get the company to pay for it. Now you can get experience, you have your degree, and it's going to make it easier for you, especially black, to get a better job. Because sometimes when, when I'm talking to recruiters and I'm like, okay, this is what I want salary rise, it's like, okay, cool, let me see. Okay, you got your, you know, your 10 years experience, you got your bachelor's, you got your master's. Oh yeah, okay. Let's see what you know your peers in this range of the company would make. Okay, yeah, we can do that. Like they've said it, they've said this to me on the phone. So when I'm telling mm-hmm. people a lot of times, like I'm not going to say you just got to go to school, but I always say you know school can only help you, not hurt you. And sometimes it helps you in those salary negotiations, unless your skills are just top tier. You know what? I saw somebody recently on LinkedIn. He got his CISSP but they told him they could not give him the job because he did not have a degree. Mind you, I want to say he's senior level also when it comes to security. And I just feel like that is so, so crushing. I think it's crushing, but these companies will tell you when they have staunch requirements, must have a degree if they have it. I have an episode I did with Shanae Eckert, um, the recruiter cousin, and we talked about, as a recruiter, she tells people, hey, if you don't meet the minimum qualifications, don't apply just because of what could possibly happen on the back end to say you did get the job and somebody who had the more qualified stuff than you found out about it, they can come back and sue us because y'all hired somebody that didn't mm. have the stuff. So she always tells people that. And so 
If you're looking at something that's saying, hey, you need this, this, and this, then you can ask the recruiter, hey, are y'all flexible on this or do I have to have this? And that way nobody wastes any each other's time. But like I said, people, a lot of people going to WGU. I like WGU. I think it's affordable. I just do not like that. I think it should be optional on those courses. Do you have to get those certs in that class or not? I think that's the only thing I don't like because you'll have people getting like all these certifications that they don't really need <laughs> at WGU. And that's why it's better for people who are already in a job to go WGU versus sometimes people with no experience because it pulls them a lot of different ways with all those different certs. And let me ask you this as a, as a hiring manager. Do you view people with a lot of certifications as if they should know more than a person that does not have a lot of certifications? Um, I'm ashamed to say this. I'm not looking at your certification or your education. I just looked at what you did in your previous roles. And can you talk to that? And can you do the job that I'm hiring you to do? So, but I mean, that makes yeah. you perfect. I know people, and I probably experienced it too, like based on either skills I had or whatever I had, but, uh, people have certain certs on there, like they've gotten grilled. I've had that. When I first got my Security Plus, like I promise you, I went into an interview and I feel like every question the guy asked me was from the exam and he was grilling me hard. And I was so, he wasn't the hiring manager. He would have been a peer that I was working with. But I didn't like that experience at all. Yeah. The same client I was talking about earlier, he ran through something like that with um, an interviewer at this company that I actually worked for at one point in time. And um, he just was asking them all a lot of stuff off of Google. I was like, that doesn't prove your aptitude to do the job. If you're not going to ask some actual scenario type of based questions, if you're going to ask me all this, the top 100 cybersecurity questions, I can just go memorize that. That doesn't mean much. And he had horrible people skills at that too. So I was just like, I was like, bro, this is this dude's trash. I just it just felt I don't even know how to describe it, but I feel like if I didn't just pass my security plus at the time, because they were very much certification questions yeah. that had nothing to do with either. So I was just like, I felt like that was their way to vet to decide if they were going to keep me or not. Um, they ended up did making me an offer, <laughs> but not enough for me to leave. Yeah, yeah definitely. Sometimes not enough. So. I want to ask you this because I don't even know if we, I know we briefly kind of talked about your article and I got to come back to it because I want to know, I didn't get a chance to finish reading it, but what made the distinction of the wire and encryption just hit for you? I was binge watching the wire and then it's just a little stuff they're doing. I was like, oh, I can relate this back to security. I think I was studying for my cert at the time. So and like I said, I took the approach, if anybody else is studying for a cert or they're trying to understand encryption, I hope they come across this article to help make sense. And I like real world concepts, right? How does this make sense in the real world? Even when I'm studying for certifications, unless you can apply it back to the real world, it will not make any sense to me. Yeah, I definitely agree on that one. I definitely agree. I I'm uh, like we talked about earlier. I was talking about, oh, yeah, you know, in power, they try to see like who was either snitching the most. So they kept on rotating all their burners out. So now, hey, you got to figure out what you know or giving. They would, they would really much exercise a lot of concepts. Like I might, I might do some episodes like, hey, how watching power can help you understand cybersecurity is like least privileged. Now you got me thinking I should do a whole series. I mean, that, hey, who knows? That might be some. <laughs> 
Uh, we could do. I got some other type of content in the works where maybe you could probably come on one day and uh and talk about them doing the, like the live stream where, because like for example the, the the runners the people who are like lower they're not on like Ghost and Tommy level mm-hmm. or Julio or even a Dre, right? They don't know what's going on. So least privilege. The less you know, the less likely we are to get in trouble. Come and on. that's why that is a good concept. Yeah, think about it. That's why you know even. In terms of Ghost and Tommy, of them just not saying too much stuff because of who can say what, which I think sometimes narratively messed up stuff. They've just been honest with each other, you know, mm-hmm. brothers for life. So that's a good concept, man. I gotta steal that. <laughs> it's one. cool. It's cool. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like I'm gonna have to steal. At least I'll let you know now. <laughs> I mean, it's totally fine. I mean, like I said, I, I've used the concept of showing kids, well, the audience about the dark web. I said, hey, y'all remember? When Mufasa was talking to Simba and he said, Dad, what's that over there? And I said, Hey, <laughs> that's the dark web. That's where you ain't supposed to go. Everything the light touches is good for you. Over there, it's a no no. So it's just simple stuff like that. People can kind of visualize it. You know, people a lot of visual learners and, and that's that that's the thing. I think that's a, a knack that I have that I try to showcase on like our interviews. But I want to ask you this, I guess. Before before we wrap up, you got any type of hot takes, kind of like Cat Williams? You got any hot takes you want to say? I got lots of hot takes. What's the <laughs> What's the one you really want to get off your chest before we before we end the show? I don't know which one. I don't know. I don't want to get canceled <laughs> so early. One thing I will say, you did talk about getting that education. There's multiple ways to skin a cat, to eat an elephant, whatever. Um, there's Udacity. There's Udemy. Okay. Um, even top universities, I want to say like Columbia, Harvard, they have like free computer science classes sometimes. Mm-hmm. There are resources out there. Um, Tanika's really big on promoing free program scholarships. Even when she did um, one of the programs, they just sent me um, a thing to do the assessment because I'm trying to learn cybersecurity and AI. There's to me. multiple opportunities out there. I think their application thing closed. Yeah. It was for the CWT. Um, it was a cybersecurity AI option for free. Okay. So. Um, I got some friends that's like kind of like in that space. And I think that's definitely the way to move into because. That's the next. Like you said, how we making it. Even like now. Go ahead. Keep looking for jobs that are asking for AI. Yeah. I understand, I understand all the concepts of it, right? I just want to help build something that's going to be groundbreaking. Like, hey, how do we, how do we build something? And whoever watching this, you better not steal my idea. But how do we build something that knows when somebody's voice is cloned? Because with remember, like last year, the, the influx of the fake Drake verse or the fake J Cole verses or the mm-hmm. weekend and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I know this is funny because we're thinking about this from terms of all this music. But what happens when they go use? Joe Biden's voice and they go find the missiles that's voice activated or something and they say and they make it sound like him. Those are the things that now that I got to tell people why I like being a cybersecurity attack vectors are always changing. But like years ago, we wouldn't worry about people using QR codes to put malware on people's phones. Now we are. Everything is always changing and that's why you got to stay hit with it. But that's a that's what you look for. What if shoot, we'll, we'll take it on people's personal life. Shoot, what if a Somebody get the AI software and, and the, the chick wants your man. So now they didn't heard them talking. They made him act like he talking to her and sent you a voice note. 
and the man telling you, "Hey, that's not me." Started doing that. Well, this ain't this sound like you. That that is you. Like all the, the AI deep face, like people finna be getting <laughs> real nasty with this stuff, and it's gonna make some jobs. But I think that's the part that now we gotta figure out how do we curtail that, and how do we build systems that detect AI outside of us knowing that is AI when it comes to resumes we can tell like you said you see the resumes you can tell when somebody like bro you don't use the word meticulously <laughs> you don't say meticulous i want you to stop we know they did that <laughs> like because hey, i ain't gonna lie i told some people i have a theory it's not me but i was thinking like like maybe white people some interviewing people i do feel like if you don't have a certain type of black i work with white people voice you get judged in the interview oh yes Oh, One yes. of my clients is very country, and I know for a fact I feel like they be judging him because how he talk. <laughs> I I know for a fact they do. Definitely, most definitely, that is big facts. Um, but I do want to get back to the core of mm-hmm. what you said of really trying to um, determine those deep fakes and things like that. Um, so I also have data privacy experience, and the key thing to that is not um, privacy is not regulated. So for those that don't know, data privacy has to do with your personally identifiable information, pretty much who you are. And I've done a talk about you are the most valuable person. Like you, are you yourself are so valuable and cost so much money. That's why that's the purpose of breaches, mm-hmm. right? That is why ransomware happens. Once I get your information, I am HD in China, India. I got a whole different life in those places, but specifically here in the U S we have no regulation, no, um, no omnius regulation for privacy. There's state privacy laws, but they don't care what companies orgs can do with your information. And then as consumers, especially with Gen Z's and the younger kids, when you sign up for an app, you're giving them permission mm-hmm. to use your likeness, to give them access to your microphone. And all of those things play into us losing more and more of our rights around, you know, our voice simply, things like mm-hmm. that. So it's like a bigger, this is me on my Dr. Umar hotel box. Um, once they care <laughs> about privacy. suspicious. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, especially when people did the AI generated, like, pictures of themselves you're doing all these questions on Instagram. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I didn't do that. the feds, the FBI agents are just eating this up. Yeah, definitely. They know what you look like 10 years ago. They know what you look like now. They can tell what you're going to look like in another 10 years. Yeah. So poor regulations and the free will of companies being able to do whatever they want with your information is going to make it really hard because, you know, what's going to happen if... Something does something negative happens from someone using that fake recording, right? Yeah, is that fake recording gonna hold up in court if it ever gets to that point? Yeah, I think it's gonna, it might not. I think that's just gonna uh, build a whole like I'm probably gonna type it in right now forensics for AI, you know, all the different things that's about to start coming in. That's where the money could be. So you can be an early adopter, get in and make your money now, <laughs> but um. <laughs> You were talking and I wanted to bring up something. Oh, I know what to bring up. Since she was talking about your data and everything like that, if you want to make sure you want to stop data brokers from stealing your identity, use Aura. I got a code for it in the description. Free 14-day trial. Within seconds, it let me know if my information is on the dark web or 
these spam calls calling me. It has a VPN, a password manager. It's pretty cool. Very affordable. So I would say, like, again, check out Aura. And yeah, stop data brokers from selling your information. Please use that code. <laughs> um, your your information is the most valuable information. Yeah. And once you lose your identity, it's and I feel like we can, <laughs> it's hard to prove that it's you are you. Yeah, I really feel like we can make a whole mini series because so like you talking about data prophecy. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but I did an episode with uh, Aaron Relford last year. She does the data prophecy for Google. Um, she's a black woman, by the way. Okay. So. Uh, you probably check that episode out. She loved this stuff. She's been doing it. I think she went 20 years in, I think. 15, 20 years. And we were talking about like a lot of that stuff. So I definitely need to have her back on. Maybe, maybe have both of y'all more. I don't know. I just always like to get good ideas Please. and let the experts talk and not just, you know, do the narrating or driving the conversation or giving my tidbit of what I think. I have data privacy experience. I'm definitely passionate about it. It just is not as mentally stimulating for me as cybersecurity. Yeah. Okay, cool. So before we go, I want to give the listeners something, some actionable advice real quick. So we kind of talk about certification. Now, what skills, you know, which could be including like frameworks or, or softwares or other things that people need to know how to do to get in the GRC that probably are uh, accessible to them without having to spend a lot of money? What would be like those skills that they would need to work on to start a career in, in GRC and, or, you know, cause I think some of it, a lot of times, like it says like knowledge, like you said, ISO or uh, SOX or SOC one, SOC two or GDPR, like a lot of stuff they can just read up on, right? It's reading and knowing how to apply those things. Like what are those means being able to interpret those regulations or, you know, what this framework is asking. And I don't know what the easiest way to do it because I've worked with it so mm -hmm. long. So yeah, not easiest I'm way, to, but like in, in a sense, like, so some of the ways I teach the people is we'll look through probably like three, four job descriptions and they'll have at least three or four type of those like frameworks over and over again. I said, those are the ones you need to focus on because nine times out of 10, you're going to see those like on every like job description. But see, the thing where I stop at is I don't necessarily know how to take you to point A to point B with that because that's not what I do. I mean, some of the things I do at my job continuous monitoring and all the other stuff may apply like to NIST and other things, but that's because like it's, it comes from that and that's what we need to do to make sure our organization is compliant for regulation in order to make sure we can keep on doing business and if you're a publicly traded company and all the other good stuff that you, you have to do, like we said, when we talk about the controls of, of logging on, passwords, federated logons with multi-factor authentication, like all those different things are probably in those different uh Frameworks, frameworks that you were that you were talking so i guess like should um, they just start like with NIST first maybe NIST always do NIST because everything is going to be able to map back to NIST honestly and i feel like it's hard to say hey learn iso you got to pay for iso iso is behind a paywall so that <laughs> is not that um easy even like pci stuff you can find like the 12 requirements but even like finding like sub requirements things like that is not verbatim just out there for you to know so always start out with this um i had retweeted the other day i feel like it's a book that helps you learn how to apply NIST. so that's really good information and honestly this should always be your baseline when it comes to um protecting for cybersecurity. Okay. Yeah. I definitely like there. I, I think, and that's the sucky part. Like, I'm glad you said the book to apply it. 
Because like I said, people learn information, but they don't know how to apply it. Apply it. And that is where, the, you know, we have the different rises of different programs and stuff like that, which I think could be helpful only if some people have experience. I feel like I don't know how you can go from zero to hero and PCI like for like just no experience and compete against people like yourself, like to get PCI roles. But I think if someone has experience in some type of compliance uh, type of role and they go like take a PCI class or something, they got a chance. I know Qualys has a lot of free training as well on their site about PCI DSS and everything else. And I've had clients where I was like, yo, if you figure out how to like, and this is the technical part of me, everyone probably doesn't have to do this, but if you want to show you know what you're doing, hey, learn how to set you up a virtual environment and and maybe have some vulnerabilities or something. Use ChatGPT to make you some type of uh, audit tracker or something like that. Kind of record your screen and detail you kind of just checking these things out and mapping them, see if they the current CVEs or something, or build up a process to address these from, you know, low to critical or ease of like implementation. And hey, just, just try to do what you could do. You probably could be in vulnerability management, which I feel like is, would you say vulnerability management would be in um, GRC? Under risk. Okay. Yeah. That's what I feel like it's like part of yeah. like in the middle of like thing. It definitely is. Um, that's both risk and compliance because um, patch management. <laughs> um, but that's a good question. Nobody's ever asked me that question anymore, um, ever. And I'm not too sure how do you demonstrate those skills without yeah. having a Because I, I think that's the question that's not being asked. Because these people will either try to get the interviews, but they sometimes they just can't. It's like, man, I know I understand it, but like, what do I need to do to showcase it? And that's why I just tell people, okay, we're going to try to find people that do it and see what type of advice that they give you. If you'd be able to replicate anything they do on a day to day on your own terms. But that's where the blogs and stuff right. come in. You know, do your own projects. Yeah. Show that you understand this. You know, like I said, they, me comparing encryption to the wire. Um, hiring managers paid attention mm-hmm. to that and they really liked how I was able to commun- communicate something that was technical in a non-technical way in a fun right. way. Yeah. Doing my, my LinkedIn learning course, I found out that that particular soft skill is called knowing your audience. So that's a underrated one. Like I said, I was telling somebody on the live the other day with uh, Miranda, I was like, it, it, it's a lot of people you'll deal with at the workplace that they want to sound smart for the sake of wanting to be smart, but they sound a lot of nothing. And I'm like, bro, just tell me what we need to do. Nobody care about all this. <laughs> people busy True. enough. I don't feel like being on this call with you that long. Yes or no, what I need to do, okay, let's let's get on about it. I, I'm not trying to be buddy-buddy with you. I don't want to hear about none of that other stuff. <laughs> I swear I don't. Um, please tell them soft skills <laughs> is a skill that's Yeah. Some people can't read the room with, with their soft skills. I'm just like, I lack soft skills, so I pray. Yeah, it's something they can work on. They learn. All right. Um, and then last things, uh, I guess I say is like anything you want to leave the the listeners or the viewers with. Like, um, well, first of all, you know, can they follow you? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at J D Barrett J A I D B A R R E T T, and that's the only place y'all are. <laughs> I'll have it on. Um, I have it in the description where you can find her, like her Twitter handle, and it'll probably show up on the video. Yeah. And also, you can find me on LinkedIn at um, Jordan Barrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else? Like any, any, I know you, maybe if you think about that book, 
I'll come back to this section and put the name of that book you were talking about. That way they can figure out that book you were talking about. Yes, I'm definitely going to find that book because I actually just bought a book for myself for PCI um, because PCI just updated to 4.0. And even as a professional myself, I still got to figure out like what these changes mean for the organization. So always be learning. Um, the advice, I don't know, be willing to put in the work. Discipline is going to get you to where you want to go. Um, utilize your network, free resources. Most of the things that I've gotten in my career is because I got a scholarship, right? Like the opportunities are out there. You don't have to spend your money. Be willing to learn. Yeah, I, I definitely feel you on that one. Anything else? Yeah, I'm off my soapbox. Okay, okay, okay. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that this episode. Before I leave y'all, I want to say this, I don't know when this episode is dropping, but I want to say go Baltimore, go Detroit. I want y'all to win y'all playoff games. You know, forget Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy. We don't care about you. We want y'all to lose. I thank y'all for always tuning in. Like I said, if you want to support the show, you can always join the Patreon. That's how I keep on, you know, eventually maybe hey, we, we pull up on her in Florida. And we do this in person or she pull up on me. So by y'all donating to the Patreon, that's how I'm able to get y'all the high quality content that I've been giving y'all the last couple of weeks. But like I always say, hey, oh yeah, also, it's income tax time. Don't be spending that money in the wrong place. Do something good with it. Invest in yourself. If you get an income, if you get an income tax. Listen, but like I always say, man, let's stay textual. It's your boy HD and we out until next time. Peace.